guy to the west there, PeteCalendarShow.com, holding his own in Asheville. What's going on, sir? Oh, you know, another day in paradise. How are you? I love this time of the year up where you get to live. Man. Yeah. I love the mountains, so... It's, yeah, it's the buskers. It's the buskers, that, you know, <laughs> tend to tend to wear on me. But um, you guys, uh, you guys, uh, I see that your uh, your monument uh, that's that's going to be done. Dunzo yeah, coming down. No more. Yeah, we. Uh, I think we talked a few months ago when they first floated the idea of painting it different colors uh, on on the four sides of the obelisk. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. one side for white people, one side for red people, one side for yellow people. I'm not kidding. That was one of the ideas. Th- that did not go over very well. Anyway, so they, the city council took the recommendation of the commission that they appointed. Uh, I don't believe it was a Blue Ribbon Commission, but it was a commission nonetheless. And they recommended take it down. And uh, city council said, OK, let's take it down. So it's it's oh. going to be taken down. They're not sure how yet or why or uh, when rather uh, and uh, what will become of it. Uh, so there are a lot of people in Asheville with a lot of artsy, craftsy ideas on what to do with the bricks once they take it down. One guy at the city council meeting said, hey, why don't we build a bridge in one of the parks that's also not built yet? But why don't we why don't we build a bridge? And so you get the you get the imagery there, right? Building a bridge out of the bricks. I think yeah. I think there is such a missed opportunity here and and I feel like one what you need to do is take the troublemakers we want to create our own little uh you know a little mini country that we're trying to uh have their own zone there mm-hmm. and you essentially rope those idiots in there and let them tear it down if only to keep them busy. Well and that's... then and then whenever they sleep <laughs> rebuild part of it right, right? <laughs> just, so it's just a never-ending task all right it's very yeah it was a sisyphus right uh so that's like um i did see it, it it reminds me of some of the comments that i saw from the public from the uh the outrage mob that was saying like why is it taking them so long to tear this down just give us a couple of hours we'll do the work for you um but then i mean you yeah. get into all sorts of osha potential violations going on there lawsuits you know you you can't trust the mob to tear down a statue safely you know you saw well, you, do you remember that video it was up near norfolk i'm trying to remember what little city it was where they where the guy's standing there and they finally they tear the statue down and then they brain the dude with the statue on the way down <laughs> didn't son. no but i've seen them where they where they kick the statues and i'm thinking that has got to hurt you're kicking yeah. a statue um which it, it, there's something very Saddam Hussein Middle East kind of imagery going on with those videos that I've seen. Um, yeah, I, I don't particularly get it, but it's it's part of the you know performative passion play. So uh, I just leave that for the actors. All right. Well, before let me throw one other iron into the Moonbat protest fire. Rather than we'll get to the COVID here in a moment. Do you guys get Indie Week up there in Asheville or some variation thereof? Uh, you know Indie Week, Indie yeah, I know what Indie Week is, sure. And, uh, okay. I mean, we've got Mountain Express, which is kind of, you know, the same thing, uh, you know, a weekly publication, just like sort of uh, what the creative loafing sort of along those lines. I don't even know if creative right. loafing still exists, but yeah. Right. But but it, but it's very leftist. Oh, yeah. Uh, very woke. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte's version is called Queen's, uh, Queen City Nerve. And I think they're owned by this all the same people. Okay. And, and so it's essentially really, really woke stories. Uh, uh, and uh, masseuse ads, um, or, or cuddle party ads, as we found there <laughs> right. once. Um, so, so they have an op-ed. I, I kid you not, it's an op-ed that ran in multiple different of uh, their publications here in North Carolina, demanding 
that the protest and eventually some of the uh, more passionate protests that you and I may refer to as a riot became, <laughs> uh, are be made more accessible for people with disabilities. Yes, I, <laughs> I saw that. Did you see this insanity? Okay. Yeah, I <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Like, so, how do you police so if you're that? Screaming death, if you're screaming death to pigs, but you but you're deaf. Do you, do you have do you bring somebody along to scream it for you? Right. I mean, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. How do you police that? How do you like? How do you ensure that kind of equal access and such? And what if what if you have a protest? that gets passionate uh, and uh, people who are disabled, what if they end up becoming, you know, disproportionately, disparately uh, impacted negatively by the rioting and looting, right? Like, like what if there are more uh, injuries among that population? That would be inherently just based on the statistics, right? That's proof that your protests Mm. are uh, anti-disabled, Right. Or I guess it would be ableist would be the. Well, I think you know. I, I feel like there are there's certain param- I like what you're on to because I, I, I didn't even think of this. So if let's say that you only have one arm and you can only carry three iPhone eights out of the store you just smashed into. That's whereas true. The other guy has two arms so he can carry 10 iPhone whatever. That's not equitable. Store. Not equitable. Yeah, it's not. So I feel like there needs to be a meetup spot so they can even out the loot. Right, sure. Yeah, so from each according to their abilities and to each according to their needs. Absolutely. So, yeah, you would have to redistribute the the loot afterwards. I think you're onto something there. You could do like a tent in an autonomous zone. So you'd have like the loot tent, you know? Yeah, but, but also let's say you only have one leg. If you knock off a footlocker, it's actually easier for you to steal more than enough shoes. Do you know what I'm saying? Because Unless you have really a hard to shop for foot size. I mean, that is, I mean, because that's another that's kind of disability. Yeah. Well. It's a, I mean, yeah. if I've got, you know, a triple E wide, uh, you know, five inch shoe, like that's going to be difficult. So they should actually the stock the shelves with some of those varieties. So this way, when I get there, I'm not disadvantaged. Yeah, it's a proper signage, the whole deal. You know what? Um, they're going to probably need one of these diversity coordinators that we keep hiring at all the universities for 200000 a year. Brilliant. Just to kind of handle this thing. So I think that'd be a good gig. Yeah. Uh, also brilliant, the governor on Tuesday came out, uh, hair on fire. Uh, everything's uh, All of our hard work is being undone because everybody is uh, wildly irresponsible. Something has to be done, and that something was an announcement that they would do something four days later, which takes place at five o'clock today, and that is this "quote unquote" hybrid shut or hybrid curfew shutdown, whatever you want to call it. Do um, you think this does a, a bit of good? It might. Okay, so call it what it is. Right, it's a lockdown light. It's a partial shutdown. It's a curfew, and they're targeting bars for a reason. Right, there's. Obviously, something going on with bars uh, overnight, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. that they're trying to dial back. And uh, there are people by there like epidemiologists that say this is not going to do enough. It's not going to do much of anything, because if you really want to have the kind of impact that they're trying to have, you got to shut everything down like they want to go you know, back to the full lockdowns, which now more and more research shows. Uh, actually cause more harm than prevent right. death. So uh, more people end up dying from lockdowns and such. So um, I don't think I don't think there's much of an appetite, honestly, 
to go back to lockdowns because I think there is so much research now that undermines that effort. But a curfew is kind of a nice halfway point, you know, because it's it's you know filed under the heading of if you're not doing anything wrong, what have you got to worry about? And a lot of people aren't out at those times of night, so they don't care. So it's an easy get. Will it have an impact on the numbers? I doubt it, because I doubt, frankly, that anything that the the governors doing the executive orders are having real impacts on the numbers. I think it's a virus. I think really when, you, when oh, it comes really? down. No. Yeah. yeah like I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think it's a virus. And I think that viruses, when they're really contagious, I think they spread. And I think they spread a lot more at this time of year. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. And so the mask mandate that went in place and the numbers went up and then they went down a little bit and then they went up again and then they went up again. And uh, the uh, the stay at home orders, the safer at home orders and all of these capacity limits, all of the rules that have been put in place were supposedly the reason why the numbers dropped a little bit over the summer. But now all those same things in place and supposedly the numbers are surge. Sorry, don't call it a surge. Surges happen in Republican states. We're right. not having a surge. It's not a spike. It's a relapse. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, well, what, what do they call it? A trajectory showing a very sharp increases or um, uh, trending up significantly. They do not want to use the word spike or surge because they made a point uh, early on in the pandemic to you know call out and shame the Republican-led uh, states that were opening up too soon. And see, they're having surges. They're having spikes. So that's why we're not doing it. Um, and so if it worked back then, why isn't it working anymore? Um, is it that we are just failing to comply? And I, I, I get the sense that that's the argument they're making, even though they never present any evidence on compliance figures. So, like, what's what's the compliance for the mask mandate, for example? Do you have any idea in North Carolina well, how many get, people are masking? We postscript. Well, remember, we got postscript and they called them liars. Remember when that number came out and they were saying uh, that uh, what was the trying to remember what the poll was or what the number was. I think it was 100 people. Mm-hmm. And the numbers that they determined were that of those 100 people, uh, 76% said they always wore a mask. And another 50% said they mostly always wore a mask. Mm-hmm. So it was the 90th percentile. And and the health department essentially said that the, those people are lying in, <laughs> in the aftermath. Well, you have no way to determine it, right? Exactly. I mean, so that's, that's, that's the insanity here. And what's even more insane is – there are we have eyeballs and if you are not whole up in your house you recognize situations where you know you're thinking to yourself you know what i don't want to walk in there it's cuz it's elbow to elbow and i've seen a couple of those situations present and i have you know i can see pictures that are posted online of people having great times at what are essentially bars those are those are big sardine can gatherings that are going on and I don't see where they are going and dealing with what they say is the issue on an individual basis. Instead, they're going to punish people that have followed whatever stupid directive that, that this governor has cooked up the, the whole time. Mm-hmm. And those people are about to be punished. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who runs a restaurant where they are they go above and beyond the state recommendations. And, and his, his, his idea is that he's going to shave 10 to 15 percent of profits. Yeah. Uh, on what are already thin profits um, because of that. He's going to have to seat people on a Friday night at 830 and tell them last call when they sit down. <laughs> I mean, well, that's yeah, it's crazy. In, yeah. crazy if you're a fine dining establishment who has done everything, everything. These people are meticulous in the way that they yeah. seat people. Those are the people that are getting punished. And those are the people he's in a corporate environment. So he probably won't push back. 
But a lot of individual owners are at the point where they're just going to go screw it. They're going to they're going to do whatever they're going to do, man. Yeah, I talked with the uh, uh, owners of a pool hall, billiards uh, and tavern here in Asheville, and uh, you know they were super frustrated. They kept getting visits from ABC that was they were checking to make sure that the pool tables weren't being used, and they had set up all of their. Uh, you know, they spaced out the tables. They said only one person at the bar at a time. They had all, like you said, they went above and beyond. Um, but they said our main clientele is the service industry folks. So after they get off work, they come here. And the curfew basically cut out a huge chunk of their revenue. So what's the point of even opening? I mean, are, are, are people going to the bars? I guess that's what's going to happen. You're going to you're going to drive people to house parties and you're going to drive them to the bars earlier. So we're just going to have to start drinking much earlier in the day, which really like I'm willing I'm to do that. Guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. a morning guy. That's, yeah. what, that's what we do. So <laughs> um, and last thing. And I we I, the audience my audience should be somewhat familiar because I bitched about it way too many times I have I have flabbergasted that once again we are in about the ninth month that our governor hasn't taken a question outside of legacy media from mm. a single outlet other than you know the big TV the the big newspaper the only radio one I think is public radio yeah correct uh, and you know but maybe BT got a question in. I don't know but not the that I, is, since I've been listening Brett Jensen's been asking uh, to get or or has been you know clamoring to get into those calls and I haven't seen him be able to ask any questions either and and for people who don't stick around for that portion of the show what's what is insane is a week does not go by where there is not a reporter who essentially in their question is demanding the governor shut everything down. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, you know, these are these unbiased arbiters of truth. Yeah. And I just, I've never seen anything like it. Do you think there'll ever be a reckoning on the backside of this about how, could you imagine being a governor who was able to operate for a whole year, especially an election year and never have to get a single question from a hostile media ever? Uh, as a Democrat, I think it's fine. Okay. Yeah, I think right. he. I, I think he's sure fine. Standard will hold up. So. Right. He's got the big D shield, is what I call it. And when you have that shield in front of you, it blocks all sorts of criticism like that. So he, I think he's going to be fine with it. Even though, like Carolina Journal just did a big write up uh, on how he's one of only a handful of governors that has not had an in person news conference. And again, I point out, like we're taking the orders and advice and recommendations from an administration that can't figure out how to do an in person news conference in, in in nine months and they're telling everybody else how to operate their businesses like there's a disconnect there don't you see like w- why would we trust an administration that can't figure out a news conference to tell every single business how they need to operate safely i don't understand this yeah it's uh this i've never seen anything like it on on that front and there's a sort of certain nuances that unless you do this for a living you don't appreciate how far deviated from the norm yeah. uh, all of this is. Which, by the way, I thought you raised a very good point on uh, Twitter the other day when you pointed out that uh, the legacy media finally found something to get upset about, you know, the constitutionality oh, yeah. of the judge, which, by, you know, like that judge in Alamance County shutting down the courtroom to media, it's a garbage ruling. Uh, I don't agree yes. with the judge at all. However... This is one of the unintended consequences of the constant drumbeat that the media has to crack down. I mean, what was there was a reporter from Fox 8. Alamance. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Alice. Uh, or Allison Smith. Yeah. For, well, the Alamance reporter that got in trouble. But uh, at the news conference, when she asked, like, when are you going to say enough is enough and we need to crack down? 
So, like, they're all about cracking down on these other businesses. But as you pointed out, when it comes to them and cracking yeah. down on them, now it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, so, well, it's their, their ox uh, freshly gored. And it's, right. it's the height of hypocrisy. Uh, just make, blows my mind. Pete Callender, PeteCallenderShow.com. Check it out. And uh, we'll do one more next week if that works for you, sir. It does indeed. Thanks so much.